welcome to Snacking with the Saints, the podcast where we eat snacks and talk about the saints with your hosts, Andrea and Lena. Thanks for being here. Let's jump in. Welcome back. Well, we should say we've been on a little bit of a hiatus. Yeah. We after came the back holidays. From, yes, we came back from Christmas. And yeah. And lots of things lots going of things. on. Yeah. That we, things off COVID went through our family. Yes. Um, so I, honestly, I think that's what it mostly was, right? Just push everything back, like work-wise. Yeah, I feel and, like, yeah, there was just multiple things of just kind of getting back on track from the holidays. Yeah. So. Yeah, and COVID doesn't help when you're trying to get back on track. No, many it things. <laughs> but I'm glad. I'm glad we're back. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm really excited about this episode. The theme is uh, saints who are friends. Yes, holy friendships. Holy friendships. And so I have to say, this is a little bit of like pulling into the youth ministry bag because, um, especially with when I did like younger kids, like middle school, yeah. we touched on this theme a lot of just that saints come in pairs. Um, I like that. I would say that a lot to the kids. Um, and, you know, we kind of use it as like a discussion on like, who are you hanging out with and your influences and stuff. But truly, yeah. if you look at the lives of the saints, the amount of saints that um, knew each other is insane. Really? There's so many. They're so connected. Um, they're Yeah, they're all so connected. So I really think it is. I mean, and there's like saints who are married there were yeah. saints who were like student and teacher. Mother so, and son. Mother yeah, mother and, and son. All different types of relationships for yeah. sure, which is why we were like, let's start a podcast about all the different types of saints there are because there are so many. <laughs> there are. But um, the amount of saints who knew each other and had like working friendships or working relationships, there's just so many. Yeah. Um, I think that speaks to the importance of who you surround yourself oh, with. Oh, for sure. And just like how, um, you know, that whole thing of like iron sharpens iron. Yes. Um, but also why I feel like, you know, we as Catholics have like the obligation to attend mass. Yeah. Like it's not like a suggestion. It's because like the church knows like holiness happens in community. Yes. Like you need to be showing up to like a brick and mortar, like flesh and bone community. Yes. Um. So I feel like just like we see that, lived out in the lives of the saints. Yeah. And so our, many. our faith is not lived in isolation. Right. Like it flourishes in community. For sure. And I think it's cool because our last episode was on dysfunctional family. Yeah. And so what a great segue to just go straight from, you know, you come from dysfunctional families to holy friendships, because yeah. I feel like that's kind of the natural path of um, living out our holiness that we're called to. And so is by finding friends that have shared values and that can help you get to heaven. Um, yeah, so. for sure. That's what it's all about. Yes. Like the, you very clearly see reflected in the lives of the saints that they not only like knew each other and both happened to be saints, but they were like helping each other on yeah. the road to holiness for sure. That's what I love. Okay. Uh -huh. So should we talk about our snacks? Yes. Okay. So my snack was bread. I, I did bake a loaf of bread, which I Truthfully, I wasn't pretty proud of because it just didn't turn out exactly how I wanted. And I'm a little bit of a perfectionist about baking. Um, but I also, so I gave Andrea, I gave you a bread. It was delicious. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I also got you the gluten-free bread from Trader Joe's. Thank you. Which, you're welcome. Because I'm trying to go gluten-free. It's not going great. <laughs> Keyword, trying. But I'm trying. Yes. I think that's important. And um, I would say out of all the gluten-free breads, my vote is for Trader Joe's. It tastes the most like regular bread. 
Um, so I haven't had their gluten-free bread. I, when I try to do gluten-free bread, I usually go for like Ezekiel bread, like the, the sprouted grain uh-huh. and it's just so dense. So I'm happy to try this one. I got some gluten-free bagels. I liked those were good, but I'm excited. It's for hard this. to find. I think the whole point is like not trying to make it like the substitute for real no. bread. Yeah. But I can't do that in my mind. I have to I like make it as close to that. So Which, this is. Is why, yeah, off air we were talking about how I got into sourdough baking during the pandemic like everyone else did. And that's why is because I've been wanting to go gluten-free and sourdough, like the natural sourdough, um, is naturally not gluten-free, but um, it has less, like the fermentation process breaks down the gluten or the, yeah, it breaks down the gluten over a period of time. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Some people who have just like a gluten intolerance, not like true gluten allergy or like celiacs can tolerate sourdough. Oh, so that's why I was making my own bread. Um, but once I got pregnant, I had to stop because I mean, just like physically I could not do it. Like I couldn't lift my cast iron like skillet that I would make it in or pot. So plus all the nursing of the starter yeah it's literally like having a human baby (laughs) so when I was pregnant physically I couldn't do it and now that I have a human baby I just you still agree it's like having a yeah I mean I killed like once Ben came my baby like I killed three starters (laughs) so I was like I can't this is not this is not what I'm called to anymore (laughs) but I do love it and one day I would like to get back to it but I think I'm actually going to start my starter again because they do take a lot of time to become mature. So I think if I just start making my wild yeast by the time I'm ready to bake, it'll be good and strong. Well, I'm, let me know when you do it because I want to know what the process is. I've never done that before. And so. It's ridiculous. <laughs> like the reason people did it in the pandemic is because the only time you ever have enough time on your hands to make a yeast starter and it's bake like it when is when you down. literally can't leave your house. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's how much time and attention it takes. Like, so if it was now know, or never, God forbid, of, if yeah. that ever happens again, sourdough. Yeah, that's why. But <laughs> otherwise, it's not, I don't, my sister does it, but not many people could ever have the time and attention it takes unless you can't leave your house. So. It's an art. Oh, for sure. It absolutely is. Yeah. Bread baking is an art. It really is. Yes. And the reason I did that for our show on friendships is because like breaking bread with somebody mm-hmm. is such a, I mean, it's called breaking bread. Mm-hmm. Um for the reason that like biblically, like Jesus broke bread with us. Right. Um, and there's something just so life giving and satisfying about bread, um, that just is not replicated in other types of food. Mm, There is something so comforting about it. There is. And there's a lot of science behind the complexity of like these very simple ingredients that when combined together, create this reaction that just creates all these like vitamins and minerals. And so it's just, there's a whole other area of that. That's just beautiful. Um, really cool. But just even just the idea of sharing a meal together and mm-hmm. fellowship of there is beauty in sharing a meal. Like it creates connectedness between people. And like there was like a study, an Oxford study that said like um, sharing meals like increases like all your happy hormones or like your happy mm. chemicals in your brain yeah. and like makes you trust people more, makes you have more like dependable friendships. And it's just interesting to see all, all of the different facets of what it means yes, to share eating a meal does together. relax you because I heard yeah. like if you're ever nervous or have anxiety you should like chew gum 
Oh, yeah. Because, like, the act of, like, chewing tells mm-hmm. your brain that you're not in, like, a fight or flight moment. Oh, nice. So there's so much. Because you can relax enough yeah, to eat. Yeah, so there's so much around, like, eating with someone. Yes. And bread is particularly chewy. That's what the gluten does is it yeah, makes it, it chewy. Makes it, yeah. So fascinating. We love bread, clearly. Yeah. We're bread um, lovers. My snack is less complex, but truly one of my favorite snacks is dark chocolate covered raisins. I love it. Because um, I feel like it's what I eat to satisfy my sweet tooth. Because it's not, because you don't like overly sweet stuff. I don't. So it's got the bitterness of the dark chocolate. Yeah. And then in my head, I'm like, it's healthy because it's raisins. It's fruit. Yeah, it's fruit. Yeah. But I don't think it is healthy, especially the amount that we eat it. <laughs> Um, but also the dark chocolate, like uh, the reason I like it is cause it's bitter. So I don't like get obsessed with eating it, you know, like it doesn't trigger that like feast mode in my brain. Yes. Um, where it's like, you can't stop. Yeah. So we'll thing. keep like, uh, like just like a bag out on the counter and we just like throughout the day just will like snack on it Love all day. It. Yeah. Which is, it's yeah. It's a good movie snack also. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's what we like to eat at the movies, but just every day, all the time we yeah. keep a bag open it's one of our that. go-tos yeah so we like to like usually like grocery stores have them in the bulk section for some reason yes like sprouts or something. yeah so that's why i know whole foods does or central market so we just will get some scoops every time we go to the store and that's like a go-to snack in our family i love it yeah that sounds milk good. chocolate's too sweet it has to be dark I chocolate i politely disagree <laughs> milk chocolate and raisin is it's too sweet for me, for sure. Yeah, I mean, with the raisins, I yeah, see where you're coming from. Yeah, that's too much. It's got to be the dark. So. I just, I'm not even a big fan of raisins. I just, just give me the milk chocolate. That's really all. Well, I won't eat raisins unless they're covered in chocolate. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, if I'm going to eat a raisin, any chocolate should yeah, always be why are raisins it. gross? <laughs> to me, they're gross. I love grapes. Yeah. I don't know why are ra- I like uh, craisins, like cranberry. Oh, the cranberry ones are good, yeah. But I don't salad. like raisins unless they're covered in dark chocolate. Yeah. Don't even get me started on like oatmeal raisin cookies because oh no it's a whole other topic they don't yeah <laughs> we won't even go there <laughs> okay so okay so for this one we know each other saints because we wanted to do saints who knew each other so yes, we had to we had to team work up together yeah so should do you want to announce yes. our, our so saints? i'm so excited because our saints who are friends are yes. saint francis and saint Clair. yes um, them like the OGs of St. Friendships, basically. <laughs> yes. They have defined what holy friendship is. Yeah. And um, their friendship is so beautiful. I'm going to be talking about St. Francis, and Andrea's going to talk about St. Clair. Um, but, you know, initially just talking about just how beautiful that um, friendship is between the two of them, because mm-hmm. St. Francis was older, and St. Mm-hmm. Cla- Clair was like 12 years younger, I think. Yeah, she was a teen when they met, but we yeah. won't go into that. Yeah, yeah, we won't go into that. But, like, just the beauty of having an older friend, you mm-hmm. know, for, for the younger person and f- having a younger friend for St. Francis too, to kind of that youthfulness um, and the beauty of like the male and female friendship of just how that's like very complimentary. And there's just something different about um, friends, like having the male and female friendship together too, I think, because it's like, it encompasses like both images of God as like that mm, maternal I and paternal. Yeah. And so there's so much familiarity in having female friendships or male friendships, but when you have that male and female friendship, like St. Francis and St. Clair, it's almost like there's like a, a fullness that mm-hmm. comes together and yeah. um, they can kind of fill each other, like fill the gaps between each other. Um, 
with that maternal and paternal love. So I just think that it's just such a sweet friendship that they have. And one of my favorite um, Bible verses is Proverbs 27, 9, where it says, sweet friendships refresh the soul and awaken our hearts with joy. Mm. Um, and I think that's just kind of what St. Francis, St. Clair mm-hmm. were all about. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about St. Francis and give you a little bit of a recap of his life. I know everybody, St. Francis is one of those really big saints where everybody kind of knows who he is. Yeah. He's the one that's in all the gardens, the statue um, in mm-hmm. all the gardens. He's got animals all around him. Yeah. Um, and so people think of him as like um, the, you know, the saint that like talked to the animals mm-hmm. or the saint that wrote the peace prayer. But there's just so much more to him. And yeah. truthfully, I was like so scared to do this podcast because I was like, I'm never going to be able to like pay justice to who St. Francis was like in this recap. Um, but I'm going to just do my best and hope that the Holy Spirit fills in the rest. Um, but St. Francis, yes, he loved animals. And well, I'm going to go into that. But his whole mission was kind of um, defining what brotherhood was and what mm. that looked like. And so I'm going to just talk a little bit about who he was, and then I want to just kind of go through that with you. But he was born in 1181 in Italy, and his feast day is October 4th. And he is a, he was originally named Giovanni by his mother mm-hmm. for St. John the Baptist. Oh. But when his dad came back from a trip, he was like a wealthy cloth merchant. He was like so furious that he was named Giovanni and he instead renamed him Francis after his like love of France. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And so uh, his dad was um, very well off and he wanted to spoil Francis and kind Mm -hmm. of make him like a protege of his. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Francis grew up um, like very like living the indulgent life. Um, And so he had a wealthy family and he was like just very charismatic, you know, he's popular, handsome, like popular among his friends, handsome, like really friendly Mm -hmm. and talented. And so people were just naturally drawn to him. Um, And, but he did not want to be a cloth merchant like his dad. Instead, he wanted to be a soldier, which I think is so ironic because he's the like author of the peace prayer, you Mm -hmm. know? And so like early on in his life, like he wanted to fight. Um, But during his youth, his town declared a war on a neighboring town, and he was captured and held prisoner for a whole year. Oh. Um, but he, I guess he got sick, and during that illness that um, he had during his time of imprisonment, he started to reevaluate his mm-hmm. way of life. And so when he came out, he was a changed person, and his friends could tell. And, you know, his the friends he surrounded himself at that time were also um, soldiers and, mm-hmm. and, and the wealthy and he it said that the entire city made fun of him for like wasting his family's money and not even wanting to fight anymore and his friends kind of like teased him or like oh are you now thinking about marriage and he was like well yeah the idea of living without riches is something I'm beginning to fall in love with mm. and so that kind of seed was planted in him yeah. of kind of embracing this life of poverty when he was in like held captive yeah interesting so um and, you know, he says a lot about how a life of poverty is like his truest freedom. So mm-hmm. it's interesting that that came to him while he was kind yeah. of enslaved. Um, and so he started to kind of wander around, discovering his purpose, kind of selling everything he had. And he came upon a crumbling church called San Damiano. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was praying there and he heard a message saying, rebuild my church. Mm-hmm. And St. Francis took that literally and started to... Um, 
he actually started to, to took like some of the cloth from his uh, merchant father and mm-hmm. and stole it and gave it to like the bishops at San Damiano or the priests at San Damiano to um, use to be able to sell and fix mm-hmm. the church. But the priests were like, we're not taking any stolen goods yeah. and like um, didn't allow that. And his father found out and like demanded that Francis be like legally removed from like their family, like inheriting their family's wealth. Mm. Um, and the town again came out and made fun of him. The town needs to mind their own business is what I am picking up on here. (laughs) Yeah, the town is just, I mean, they're about the status quo. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's said that Francis took off all his expensive clothing and told his father that he was no longer his father and he only would obey his heavenly father. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he like went off like singing of his freedom and like went into the snow and into the woods. And like from there, it said that that robbers had like beaten him and even taken off, taken his underclothes. And, but Francis was like still overjoyed to be free and decided to live his life as Jesus, like owning nothing. And so, yeah. So when I, the things I know about St. Francis is like the general things within the story of where like he took off all his clothes and (laughs) like, Sailed off into the sunset. Yes. And he's like, I'm a free man. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, I think, and he was really wanting to rebuild this church. Mm-hmm. And at mass one morning, he finally realized that when God was saying rebuild my church, he was talking more expansively about just the idea of like the, you know, the church of the world, you know, yeah. and like um, evangelizing. And so he was like, oh, maybe I need to do be more, more focused there and mm-hmm. so so he started preaching and mm-hmm. that started to draw a lot of crowds and even the people who were making fun of him at the time for doing something so different now that they noticed people were being drawn to him it attracted them too and so he mm-hmm. started to have um, a lot of followers and um, people from all ages I think that that idea of embracing poverty and that um, that Christ-like life just really um, spoke to a lot of people. And so he eventually um, created a brotherhood. He did not really like the um, the religious orders at the time. He felt yeah. like they were very military-esque mm-hmm. type. And so he wanted something like called like a brotherhood instead. Um, so he was like, you know, your only rule is like to own nothing at first. He didn't want to define this like rule of life like so many of the other ones were. Wait, so do we know if he ever became a priest or was he just a brother, like a monk? Do we know? I don't know. It's, he, it, it says brothers. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that. Because um, I know one of our mutual well, friends um, is wanting to join a religious order, but specifically because the order said too many people want to be priests, but like we need some people who just can be brothers and like do like the prayer yeah. aspect of it. So I wonder, I don't, I, I just thought of our friend. Yeah. It says Francis was later ordained a deacon, but not a priest. Oh, so, see, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So he kind of stayed in that brotherhood yeah. space. Um, and one of the things it says is that he, like, um, Francis and his brothers wouldn't accept any money, which is very similar mm-hmm. to how some of the Franciscan orders are now. Yeah. Um, like that they beg for what they need. Um, and he, was known for saying that owning more than necessary was the opposite of love. Mm. Um, and he told a bishop that like fear and weapons are required to guard possessions. Oh. And he wanted neither of those. Oh. I just thought that was so cool. That is so true. Yeah. And he said like a man who owned nothing could not be stolen from, starved or ruined socially because he had already done those things to himself. So he was truly free. Mm. And I think that that just is such an interesting way of looking at, yeah. um, like, 
not holding captive, um, you know, all the things of the world um, and mm-hmm. kind of surrendering all that. And then he has, he finds his freedom through that. Um, so it's just the piece on poverty um, is, is a major player for him in his spirituality yeah. and um, being able to see Christ through the poor. Mm-hmm. Like it's like almost like this idea, like you can't fully know Christ until you know the poor. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that there's a lot of truth to be spoken to that. Um, and he just looked at, um, life differently. Oh, for sure. And there's a, (laughs) there's, I don't know if you've ever seen this, um, this artist, she's, it's called the modern saints. Have you ever seen that where she takes like saints and she like almost like imagines them if, if they were like in modern life and what they would look like now if they, yeah, she has an Instagram, right? Yes, she does. It's Mm -hmm. awesome. And so, I mean, there's definitely artistic interpretation done Mm -hmm. there. Um, but the one for St. Francis, he's like, has a man bun. And I'm like, that's so spot on. Like, yeah. just like what you would think St. Francis, he's got tattoos. And it's just like, he was a little eclectic and mm-hmm. just um, out there. And I think that that was very different for the time. Um, but it said that, like, there was a story where he was told to condemn a priest for living openly with a woman. Um, mm. But when he arrived at the church, um, Francis instead kissed the priest's hands because he recognized, like, the man's dignity and that his hands had, like, held the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so it's like he didn't just look at a person for their sin. He looked at them in their wholeness and their, mm. in their dignity. And mm-hmm. so many of the things that get described for St. Francis sound kind of like the basis for Catholic social teaching or oh, yeah. the social justice movement. And so it's really beautiful to see how he lived that out in a time where that would have been very, I mean, even now to hear that, that's like, whoa, that's, you know, different. Yeah. But like to, to imagine that in the Middle Ages um, is a totally different perspective. Um, but he just believed that God lives in every person, um, whether they're like a beggar or the Pope and they all deserve the same love and respect. And, Mm -hmm. and you feel that in like, um, Pope Francis now who took on his namesake. Right. And so he really embraces that same idea of like, um, we're all a mirror of God. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, um, and that he extends that to all of creation. Um, so getting to kind of the more famous things of St. Francis. Yeah. There's like stories where he preached to the birds and mm-hmm. he was like um, preaching the gospel to them and just telling them how thankful he was for like their beautiful clothes. And they all like stayed there and waited till he was done preaching before they like flew off. Um, and then there's a story about a wolf that was like terrorizing a town. Mm-hmm. Um, and he went and talked to the wolf and like, it's, it's funny for me to picture it because it's like I, like he went and talked to the wolf and he's like, he came back and he, he was like, um, I've got to tell you guys some news. I don't think you're going to like this. But he's like, um, you need to take care of this wolf. He's just hungry. He needs something to eat. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, you know, it's almost like, yes, he was talking to the wolf, but it was almost more like he wanted, I don't know, I got the kind of feeling like he wanted to understand the wolf better. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it wasn't for him to be like scolding the wolf, but more of like connecting with the animal to see like what their deeper need was. Yeah. And um, just even as humans, we all need that. And so it, it, the story goes that like, the town embraced the wolf became like the town pet and like they took care of it and he like they never had any problems with it anymore and also I think that just speaks to how much St. Francis was like a bridge builder mm-hmm. you know his peace prayers about like connecting people yeah. uh, that are suffering and he he just desires to be that bridge to connect um, creation to itself mm-hmm. and so and connect creation to back to God um, so just 
those stories really resonate that idea. Yeah. And when you think about, I think I'm kind of just realizing this now too, as your vocal processing, um, the point of like when God created creation and man and the world, you know, was, there was this idea that we're supposed to live in complete and total harmony, like the yes. way that we will in heaven. Right. But like in the beginning, we were supposed to like man and the earth were supposed to live in harmony together. Yeah. The way we were we, stewards. Right? Yeah. To be stewards. So I think that's why there's so many stories of the saints connecting with animals in that Nature, way, because yeah. they are in some way kind of able to reach that point of complete unity with God. Yeah. And then that gives them like the unity with all of creation. So I think in that way he was, it's just like an example of how close in union he was with God and that like animals and could yeah, kind of that sense he could that. see like God's fingerprints on everything. Yeah. Um, and I mean, he wrote this uh, prior to his death. He wrote Canticle of the Sun, which mm-hmm. is like basically like a poem to nature. Mm-hmm. And he's basically like he calls like the sun, like brother sun and sister moon. And he just sees everything as his brother and sister and just thanking all of those parts of nature as ways that he experienced God. And I think when you start to have that outlook uh, and can see God in so much of creation, like there's beauty everywhere. And, yeah, and the, I and love that. that. I need like, to look that up. Yeah, it's beautiful. I'll, I have a copy. I'll give it to you. But it's just, um, it's so poetic. And it's, he wrote it like while he was dying and he was like near blindness. And um, closer to his death, he um, started to receive wounds on his hands, like mm. um, the wounds of Christ, um, known as the stigmata. And he's said to have been the first um, person to have received those wounds and they stayed with him and they never, they bled and ached like real wounds, but, and never healed, but no one could explain how they got mm-hmm. there. And so um, it symbolizes kind of that union of suffering mm-hmm. with Christ, but in kind of a, um, um, in kind of a, it's almost like a sweet suffering mm-hmm. uh, yeah. it's described as. And so he died when he was 44 years old. Um, and he, he died, he, while he was dying, he like, um, took off like all his clothes laid on the ground, like on a blanket, um, and ended it like his life, like the same way he lived it, like just with nothing. Like he just Mm -hmm. wanted to like die in that same way. And Mm -hmm. he asked uh, to be buried on the hill in Assisi where criminals were executed. So Mm -hmm. he just, um, had a very humble spirit and just, um, like apologized to his body for all he put it through and just saw everything as sacred. Yeah. Um, which is just, for me, St. Francis is like one of those like, okay, you know, saints you want to invite to a dinner party, he's like my number one guest, you know, oh, like yeah. I would just love to like see who he is and um, his spirit, although he'd probably be outside like talking to the birds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, It'd be just, like, I had a crumb, I don't need to eat. Yes, exactly. Um, but just a beautiful spirit. Um, and I, I find that, um, I think of, I think of like, when I think of peace, I think of like St. Augustine talks about like internal peace. Um, and St. Francis is like how to like have peace with others. Yeah. And it's just his peace prayer. It's, um, like a very famous prayer, but it Mm -hmm. says, um, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace where there's hatred. Let me so love where there's injury, pardon, where there's error, truth, where there's doubt, faith, where there's despair, hope, where there's darkness, light, and where there's sadness, joy. Um, and he just wants to be the be that bridge to sow that for others. And he, by the end of the 
prayer, he's, it says that like in giving, we receive. Mm -hmm. Um, So Mm -hmm. in being that instrument, it's not just this completely altruistic thing because you end up getting so much more in return by giving. And so, and that's really echoed through a lot of the saints. Um, And so just like a really beautiful spirit. And the last thing I wanted to end with was my favorite quote from St. Francis, which is he who works with his hands is a laborer. He who works with his hands and his head is a craftsman. He who works with his hands and his head and his heart is an artist. Oh, isn't that beautiful? Yeah. So St. Francis, I thought that was beautiful. And so I'm so happy he's part of our saint family and just all the richness he's added to the church. Oh, for sure. He's definitely one. I feel like both Francis and Claire are like the heavy hitters where like I hear them like the mentioned a lot, but I never really like dove into their lives. And now I'm like, they're like the coolest people ever. I know. I know. I just, if to be able to just like peep in on them and then their yes. relationship, like it's such a, their friendship was just very sweet. I'll let you talk about St. Clair and then we can kind of talk yeah. about it, but it's just, is a beautiful relationship. Yeah. So I guess I'll go right into Claire. Yeah. Um, I have to say again, she's one who like I had heard about, but not really heard a lot of things, but didn't really know any one thing super well, I guess I'll say. Um, and then I also feel like she was everyone's confirmation saint. <laughs> so it made me not want to like her because like everyone chose her. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like you want to go against the grain a little bit. A little bit. You yeah. know, like the whole like, oh, basic girls go to Target and drink pumpkin spice. You know, it was like, oh, basic Catholic girls love St. Clair and I'm not basic. I'm, so I'm all about I'm going to like blessed Taya Bowman. No one's heard of her. So, you know, that type of thing. Um, but well, now I'm like. No, actually, we don't. Oh, she's a blessing. We should tell that story. Our confirmation saints. Mine is actually St. Anne. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, Anyway, we should, that should be a podcast. Yes, for (laughs) sure. Um, But so I'm really, I felt really blessed by learning about Claire's life. Um, So she was born in Assisi, same time, middle ages, July of 1194. Um, So she also came from a wealthy family. Mm -hmm. Um, Her family was actually like her father's side were descendants of like an ancient Roman wealthy family. So I thought that was interesting. Just like that historical piece that they were like generationally wealthy. Yeah. To me, that's always like a different type of wealth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is. Um, And then this is something interesting. Her mother, um, I don't know. I really, I tried to say her name. It's Ortolana. Okay. That doesn't That's sound pretty. right, mm-hmm. um, but she's actually also a blessed. I didn't oh, wow. purposefully learn anything about her Okay, because I feel like that could be a future episode. Yeah, like, like mothers of saints. Mothers of saints, <laughs> yeah. So she's actually also blessed, but she was very, um, she was the one who raised Claire in the faith and would often take her on pilgrimages um, around Rome or, Rome or to the Holy Land. Oh, cool. Um, so it's mostly thought because of her mother's influence, Claire from a very young age was already very pious. Yeah. There are stories of her spending like hours in prayer and like feeding the poor. It's just like a very young child. Oh my goodness. Um, so very early devotion to prayer, very early piety um, when she was very little. Um, and I thought that was so interesting that it like her destiny seemed so clear to her from an early age because again working with teens you know and young adults like the main question is like what am I called to but Claire just like it it was like like she knew always yeah it was very clear for her um yeah very clear what she wanted to do with her life and even more so when she was a young teen um St. Francis came 
and gave the parish mission yeah. um, for Lent. And um, Claire heard him preach. And hearing him preach, she was like, I, that's what I want to do. I oh. want to follow him. Like, I want to be his disciple. Um, but she was still a young teen. But that's when their friendship kind of bloomed or blossomed. Yeah. And so um, on Palm, a Palm Sunday evening, actually, in 1212, she um, ran away from home yeah. with Francis's help. Um, and her aunt, which I thought was interesting because she was supposed to get married, you know, as a young, wealthy girl, her job was to expand on the wealth by making an advantageous connection. I feel like we're in pride and prejudice when I say that, (laughs) um, but that's what her destiny was, but she wanted to devote herself to the religious life from her parents wouldn't approve of that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I, at this point, you know, my research and it's so I mean, from the middle ages, a lot is lost, but I wondered where her mom was in that. I'm sure she she didn't have a big say back in that time, but I thought that was interesting that she, you know, that she was very much had this clear calling, but still like, well, you still have to I wonder if she was torn. Yeah. I don't know. But there was no mention after just like that her mom, um, like just kind of the beginning parts and then I'll save or her mom ends up for the end. But I wondered about that. Just like my mom heart was like, what did her mom say when her yeah. dad was forcing this engagement? And but saw that calling so yeah. clear in her heart. We yeah. don't know. We don't know. Um, but it's, so she did decide to run away, um, run away from home. She ran away and met Francis at the chapel of Porzini Cula. Okay. I don't speak Italian. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Um, so there at that chapel, he cut off all her hair, mm-hmm. took off her rich you know, gown and she apparently like it says like she had like a jewel encrusted belt on and gave her like a plain robe and a rope and a veil to cover her head. Um, and that was kind of like, I'm officially joining like for religious life, joining you like the Franciscan order at that. Yes. Well, okay. So we always have this thought of like the Franciscan order, right? Right. So for me, it was like, oh, that didn't exist at this time. Right. It was kind of like a brotherhood. Wasn't yeah. she the only She was. So woman? that yeah. she was actually, France, Francis had to place her with Benedictine nuns yeah. in um, San Paolo near Batista. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I'd never really thought of like Claire wanted to join Francis, but she, there was like not even anything she was joining. Like she is the trailblazer. Yeah. And you know, like you just kind of think like, of course, the Franciscans have always existed, even though I know they didn't, but they did. You know, it's just like, yeah. oh, this is. This was the birth of all yeah, of that. Yeah, she w- didn't even know what she was joining, and but she, she was, was just joining. a trailblazer. Yeah. yeah. Um, so at the time, while she's living with these Benedictine nuns, her father's trying to get her to leave. So um, it says, like, at one time, like, her father and all her, like, uncles stormed um, stormed whatever the castle, the nuns were the, convent. the, yeah, the uh-huh. convent. And, um, that at one point she clung, like he, she literally was holding onto the altar and he was trying to drag her. Oh my goodness. And she How was symbolic. like, hold, yeah, holding yeah. onto the altar. Um, and she even like, it was, it sounds dramatic to me where like he was trying to pull her away. She's holding onto the legs of the altar and she threw, threw off her veil. So he could see that she had like chopped off, off her, all her hair to see oh, like, wow. like she was saying like, this is how serious I am about this. Yeah. Um, so eventually her dad left her alone. Gave up. Right. Yeah. Eventually he gave up. And then Francis sent her to another order of Benedictine nuns where, cause she wanted to have more solitude. So yeah. to kind of help her do that, he sent her to live with another, um, group of nuns. And then at this point, 
um, Claire's sister actually joined her. Um, so I also didn't know that her sister took the name Agnes and is St. Agnes of Assisi. Oh, cool. Which, wait, isn't today her feast day? Is it? It's a St. Agnes's feast day. It might be. It, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if there's that multiple. Up. That would St. be really, I think there is. Okay. Well. But one of them. Um, but also like. How I this is just my own like editorializing. Like you go through all the trouble of being a saint, and then no one even knows you're a saint because your sister is Saint Clair. I mean, <laughs> just overshadowed by yeah. Big sister. I thought so. Now I want to just learn about her so she feels seen. <laughs> um, so they became like they, this is essentially the start of the poor Clares, which at yeah. the time we call you know we call them the poor clares but they were the poor ladies of san damiano yeah the church that yeah, they the were in right the church where they were placed at and saint francis had repaired and yeah. kind of heard his calling at um so they were the poor ladies and you know mm-hmm. they want they followed the rule according to saint francis so yeah. they were very poor they lived in seclusion um and this became the center of clares new religious order um and eventually more women started to join her uh, her mother did eventually join her and become a oh, nun too. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, which I thought was cool. Wow. So another thing that I thought was really cool was that um, they're starting this new order, basically. At the time, the Benedictines are like the main known religious order. Yeah. So my, one big theme in Claire's life was fighting the outside influence of popes and priests and other religious Um fighting their influence to change their Like how to life. define their life. Yeah. yeah. So... Um, for a group of women to want to cr- live a religious life, it was just expected that they would follow the Benedictine rule. Yeah. Um, and there were so many accounts. I was actually surprised how many times different popes would come to power and they would tell Claire like, hey, um, you can, you're going to live under the Benedictine rule. We're yeah. going to give you some property to start like a bigger convent. And she'd say, no, like we don't own property. We're Franciscans. Yeah. Or at the time, you know. We follow the rule of St. Francis. We're not right. going to own property. And there were a lot of times the popes would challenge her on that and try yeah. to get her to change her mind. Um, I think that happened to St. Francis, too, because when he wanted to start his brotherhood, he, like, went straight to the pope, and the pope was, like, kind of, like, laughed in his face, yeah. I think. And then the pope ended up having a dream that, like, St. Francis was, like, holding up the church on his own, and wow. so he just granted yeah, it to him. Yeah, he was like, okay, that sounds important. <laughs> yes. Um yeah, but I thought it was funny that um, Pope Gregory, one of the Gregories, offered Claire a, a dispensation from the vow of poverty, which she probably didn't ask for. So yeah. it's like, no, thank you, Pope. He's probably like, let me just let you off Yeah, let hook. me just help you. But her quote was, I need to be absolved from my sins, but not from the obligation of following Christ. So she was oh. like, you can like help me like with my spirituality, but not all the way. Like, right. I know what I'm doing here. I have, yeah. like, certain obligations. Um, so I thought that was... Such fortitude. Yes. I thought she was just so countercultural, where she yes. was, like... She, and she just had to stick to it so many times, where people would challenge right. her on it. Because even the religious life at that time, they didn't work, right? Like, I mean, because the Franciscans and the poor Claires, they really work for what they yes. need. And so that was really unusual for the time, because the um, the religious life... They were well-funded, weren't they? Yes. So this, they were very countercultural. So while um, Francis Francis and the friars went around preaching, the clares lived, like, um, enclosed, like, away from society and worked to support themselves. And so that yeah. was very, very countercultural for women to do manual labor at yeah. the time. 
Um, and they, I thought this was interesting. They went barefoot, slept on the ground, ate no meat, and lived in almost complete silence. Wow. Um, so very countercultural. And for a time, Francis was the one who directed the order, but right. eventually he made clear abbess, which was um, an act of giving her complete like direction or power over yeah responsibility making her the leader that's um so i loved that like their friendship of like him empowering her yeah and like trusting her and also very kind of cold throughout the time for him to say like like for a man to say i'm directing this order but now like i'm giving that over and actually letting the woman be in charge yeah and Um, just mentoring her throughout that time for sure um and claire like on that she wanted to imitate francis in all things um, and so people also sometimes called her Alter Franciscus, which just means like another Francis. Um, so I love that. I love that he was, a lot of people said it was more like father figure, like a spiritual Aww. father. Yeah. Um, and Claire actually was the one who took care of him after, like as he was dying. Yes. Claire was the one who um, nursed him. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. That like in his wisdom, he like gave her those principles and then in her youth she was able to care for him and um pray for him I feel like yeah she, he went to her for a lot of prayer requests for sure like yeah that that's what the sisters did yeah. while the the friars were out preaching yeah um so I just loved that I love that also at the time I read that there are many many accounts of the popes and other um high-ranking religious leaders at the time going to San Damiano for Claire's advice and like spiritual direction. Oh, beautiful. So I love that. Like on the one hand, they're like, Claire, we have to tell you how to run your order. You don't know what you're doing. But on the (laughs) other hand, they're like, but actually, can you give me advice? So um, I loved that she was just, I don't know, like, I feel like just like the strength was coming to me, just like that word of strength as I was learning about her life, that she would like be gentle enough to like, be like, Hey, like I can be a spiritual mother to you, but also like strong enough to be like, but don't tell me what to do with my notes. <laughs> well, I mean like, and with her name being clear, like there's just so much clarity to like yeah. her vision yes. and that yeah. steadfastness to that. Yeah. Again, like when she was young yeah. that she knew already, like what she was about and called to, yeah. um, and held to it. Yeah. Also what I thought was really cool. Well, so she, um, had a lot of sickness later in life. Like, um, her later years, she, had a lot of poor health. Um, so she died in 1253. Um, and her cause for canonization started like at her funeral because she already like her holiness was seen as miraculous. Like even in her, like while she was alive, people knew she was a saint already. Right. So like, just like radiated from, yeah. But also like these two things I think, well, is what she's most known for. And this is what I knew her for. One of the stories I knew about her already was that, um, there was so she lived in the time of the Crusades. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was gonna say I need to research this. I don't know if I want to know <laughs> all the history involved, but the Holy Roman Emperor was fighting the Pope. Basically, I don't know how that works. I don't know who a Holy Roman Emperor is. I don't know anything about that. But at one point, the Holy Roman Emperor's soldiers were going to attack the village Claire was in. Yes. Um, okay. And yeah, okay. so she and her sisters were praying, and she like held the Eucharist outside the window or like put it in the window. And for like, for whatever reason, the attacking soldiers fell back and fled at the sight of the Eucharist. Yeah. They just turned away. Yeah. Yep. They turned away. In another instance, there was going to be another invasion and Claire and her sisters prayed really hard that they would 
the village would be spared. And then like a huge storm rolled in right away and wow. it broke up the armies. So I powerful think prayer very, warrior, very powerful. But so what I knew Claire for was that she's always like holding the Eucharist out. Yes. Because, in front of her. Yeah. As she, her protection. As her protection. That's so I beautiful. knew that I knew that story about her. Yeah. Um, but things like that are why right when she died, they started the like, canonization. Let's get this process started. Right. So I also didn't look into this a ton, but basically, because I don't know if I should say this, but liturgy stuff stresses me out. Just from a theological perspective, <laughs> I don't like. There's so much to it. There's so many details and so much to get wrong. So I don't super enjoy it studying the liturgy i like doing it yeah participating it but the from the theological side i didn't love that in school so when they started talking about the types of prayers that were said at her funeral mass i was like i don't need to know the details but apparently um they started saying the prayers um and invoking kind of um the blessing of um virgin saints and apparently them just doing that at her funeral was kind of already putting them putting her in league with them kind of. Oh, that's so cool. um, that was kind of the way that they said we're starting her canonization process. Yeah. Um, I forgot. Let me see. I forgot to look it up completely, but I think she was canonized like just a couple years after she died. Long. Yeah. It did not take very long at all. She was already a saint. Um, and then one thing that I also want to end with, um, which I kind of, so I have an opinion about this, but so Claire was very, very sick towards the end of her life. Right. Yeah. So there are times when we have accounts that she couldn't go to mass and she prayed and wished that she could go to mass. Mm. And so she had a longing to, go. yeah, she had this longing to go to mass. And so it said that she would hear the mass and see it as if it was being projected on her wall. Oh my goodness. So That's she, cool. because of that, is the patron saint of TV. <laughs> Cause it was like the first TV. Yeah. It was like, like the first time TV. Yeah. So my opinion is that, is that really what we want to give Claire the patron saint? Is she of? the patron of anything else? I don't think so. I think it's TV. Maybe. I think she has a couple other like minor patronages. I hope she does. One is embroidery. I know that. Well, I think that's a little bit to my point. I'm like, she's, kind of too cool for tv and embroidery like she needs a major patronage yeah like how about patronage against like invaders you know like i feel like that's way cooler than tv yeah there were a lot of yeah patronage against like home invasion or something like that's i feel like or like women found like foundresses of orders and i feel like we could do we could do better guys we need to step it up on the saint patronage we need to get some added things on. i mean I don't know. I guess a pope decides that. So I feel like I know better than the pope. But also, <laughs> I mean, TV. Okay. I'm, okay. It is amazing and cool that Although that happened. in this day and age, that's a major force. So, so okay. I was going to say, that. maybe like back then, it's it's like a huge she miracle. She was so forward so that, thinking. That's true. That her There's patronage forward. was beyond her, even her own time. Yes. Boom. We got it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean... I guess it's not lame, but a little bit. I don't know if I'm fully, but you're right. I there think is our such, minds are just too little to understand it. That's yeah, there. But there is like such direction that people receive from the media. So I guess yes. if we want someone super powerful on on that, she is. She is totally relevant. She's she is. You're right. Okay, I, my mind's changed on that. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So I did. Yeah, I did look it up. She was canonized like just two years after, um, after her death. Yeah. And I, that, that's clear. When you that's, talk about her and just hearing, like knowing about St. Francis too, they had very similar experiences of kind of being ridiculed by society, but mm-hmm. also even within the religious community because they were doing something different. Yeah. And that I think speaks to why holy friendships are so important mm-hmm. because sometimes when you're going against the grain, either from away from your family or away from like a particular calling that the world values, um, mm-hmm. but Christ is calling you to something else. Having just even one other friend that is like, I believe in this, I believe yeah. in you and encouraging you along the way can just make such a difference for the soul. And mm-hmm. so just um, that that's why friendship is such a sweet like gem yeah um, and, and how we can use that to um, further ourselves and yeah. each other I yeah I mean they definitely um they definitely play off each other like perfectly like what you said at the beginning they complement each other yes. so well um and I love that they like I think it could have been so easy for St. Francis to be like well we're going and preaching that's really all that needs to happen but that right that just like foresight that he knew, like even, all right. I don't know if it speaks to just like God's plan too, that men and women would always be complimentary, just like yeah. that. He knew that there had to be like, it couldn't just be him and his friars that there was something right. more. That and I think that, that because he knew of the sanctity of all creation, mm-hmm. uh, he didn't downplay like the feminine piece of it too. Yeah. That, that needed to be in the religious life and to be part of his order and his, um, abilities and just that, Again, just like that idea of embracing poverty and just like um, not just that physical poverty of like clothes and possessions, but also that interior poverty of just clinging to God, Mm -hmm. you know, clinging to what God's calling you to, not what the world says, um, and that she shared in that value. And so that's just so beautiful to see like the fruits of what came out of that, how it completely changed the church. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. And added to change it, more like added to the richness of it. Oh, yeah. for sure. And like, I mean, we love all vocations and all religious, but I will say like some of the Franciscans that I've known in my life have been like the most like just that I'm in awe of, you know, yeah. um, I've had great, great interactions with some Holy Franciscans. So even still that this, we're talking about them from the middle ages and we can still point to people who are trying still to living that yeah, out, still living their and life. And a side note, that the Franciscans have a third order, which is like for people who can't leave their vocation or can't leave their home. St. Francis created that um, third order for people who like um, have families and still mm-hmm. wanted to live out the values of that. So I, yeah. I, I, I find that fascinating. Yeah. Love it. I, I also want to say, as I was researching, I just had such just like a pull towards like, I want to go to a CC. Oh, that I want to go so bad. So I'm putting it yeah. out there that we should go. Okay. And do a like pilgrimage. together go. Yeah. Can I just like, yeah, no, yeah. Together. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we have to now because we've done this episode. Yeah, we're so going like... <laughs> to a CC and our families, of course. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And just like take a pilgrimage. And then while we're there, here, Giorgio Fassati was from <laughs> Italy too. So we'll just yeah. like make a pilgrimage of saints. We should be podcasting while we're there. Yes. <gasps> a okay. live podcast. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. But by the time we're able to travel. Yeah. Just like in our lives and also this the world. A, a dream we'll we're putting out there. We'll have plenty of time. Yeah, plenty of time <laughs> to learn how to do it. All right. So should we transition to blessings and burdens? Yeah. yeah. Do you have yours? I have mine. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> 
Okay, I'm going to start with burdens so that I can end with blessing. My burden is um, many of the teens in our high school ministry are out with COVID, and yeah. I'm just like, oh, man, it's such a bummer for them. And um, aside from just, like, wanting to have them at our events, just I feel like our teens are dealing with enough as is just in this generation and then have, like, being out for school and mm-hmm. all of the stuff that gets yeah. piled on. Um, so just the, having that on my heart for them and hoping that they will recover quickly. Um, and then blessing it's you, Andrea. Yay! <laughs> because we are talking about holy friendships, and you are my blessing, and you just getting to know you, and um, just how you've kind of pushed me into places uh, that were like unknown territory, you know, with um, putting that invitation out there to join high school ministry, and I'd never worked with teens before, but now it's like such a joy for me, and just getting to know those kids, and being able to minister to them. Um, just add so much richness to my life and um and then just go like starting a podcast and like just doing something I've never done before just you have like drawn me closer to the Lord and just like um challenged me in in some really cool ways and just it's just a blessing to know you and to see you live out your life and your calling and so thank you you are my blessing Andrea thank you (laughs) well your family like you and your whole family is a huge blessing to me um (laughs) Royce, I love, I've known <laughs> Royce, I feel like for a long time. Yeah. You knew him before we were. Yeah. Yeah. And then your boys, I love. So thank you. You guys are such a blessing for Aww, sure to my I whole family you. too, because you come and help with Ben's. <laughs> well, that's a joy yeah. for us. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. So thank you. Holy friendships. I mean, every, the best, the best. Thank you. Yeah. I love you guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a blessing. I was going to say too, Ben had his nine month checkup yeah. and he is doing great. Awesome. Um, so I mean, it's a, yeah, it was such a quick checkup. He just, you know, that's a good, he's doing sign. good. Yeah. We left. That's it. So yes. that was a big blessing. A good doctor's um, appointment is yeah. always a good thing. Just, they just checked him out. Now we don't go back till he's a year old, which I'm like, oh, that's going to be like <gasps> in know. days. Oh. Um, yeah. So that was a blessing. And then also fun. I want to end with my burden also about the teens. Yes. Um, just because, you know, working at the church and with the families, like we just hear so much. And like you said, the teens, go through so much they do oh my gosh just like um I wanted to end with kind of some of them weighing on my heart so that we could just like anyone who's listening my mom and her friends please pray for them yes yeah, play, our, pray for our teens yes um because they're you know we get called in to support families a lot and yeah. there's just uh and so it's much. such a transitional time oh for sure yeah in your faith and in your development so yeah and you I just want to solve all their problems I and know. make everything better and just for them. rescue them from oh yeah all their difficulties I know but, but that's why we have Jesus that's so. right but we can pray for them for sure praying and for love them, them and just for for their continued holiness and for their healing um gosh there's so much going on with these kids these days kids these days but um <laughs> that would be my burden but in a, a as a call to prayer yes absolutely so, we would yeah. definitely be lifting that up yeah god can do amazing things so i think he oh yeah for sure he will just you know my mom heart is like i just want your life to be perfect or oh, just easier yeah, yeah. i know yes yeah, so. i get it but it comes from a place of love for sure yeah. um yeah that is what we have today awesome awesome holy awesome. friendships y'all Go make one. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye.